Translation. O lotus-eyed Lord, by concentrating one's meditation on your lotus feet, which are the reservoir of all existence, and by accepting those lotus feet as the boat by which to cross the ocean of nescience, one follows in the footsteps of Mahajans, great saints, sages, and devotees. By this simple process, one can cross the ocean of nescience as easily as one steps over the hoofprint of a calf. So I say, and you can repeat, O lotus-eyed Lord, by concentrating one's meditation on your lotus feet, which are the reservoir of all existence, and by accepting those lotus feet as the boat by which to cross the ocean of of nescience, one follows in the footsteps of Mahajans, great saints, sages, and devotees. By this simple process, one can cross the ocean of nescience as easily as one steps over the hoofprint of a calf. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The true mission in life is to cross the ocean of nescience, of repeated birth and death. Those in the darkness of ignorance, however, do not know this mission. Instead, being carried away by the waves of material nature, they are undergoing the tribulations of mritusamsaravartmani, repeated birth and death. But persons who have achieved knowledge by the association of devotees follow the Mahajans, the Mahatkritana. So uh, I'm going to pause and speak on this first part here. Srila Prabhupada points out that uh, this is the mission of life. The mission of life is to cross this ocean of nescience, to get out of darkness. This ocean of nescience is the ocean of darkness. You see, uh, it's the darkness of ignorance, not knowing. Some people think, well, if you call me ignorant, you mean that means my mind is defective. I'm stupid. I can't think very well. Uh, ignorant, or, um, um, ignorant means that you don't have a, a good fund of knowledge. As Shula Prabhupada says, a poor fund of knowledge. You have a poor fund of knowledge, you see. So someone may say, but no, no, I have so much knowledge. I have my degrees here, and I've got my degrees there, and I've got so many letters after my name. I've got the whole alphabet after my name, so I'm an educated man. So um, it can easily... Uh, defeat that by saying uh, how much of that knowledge that you got in the university will deliver you at the time of death. You see, the time of death is what we should be focusing on. It's the time that we don't really like to focus on. You see, we don't like to think about that. You see, and um, many people, uh, uh, practically everyone, will put off planning that moment of death. It's very common. People don't like to buy life insurance because they don't like to think about death and so many things. So, uh, But that moment of death is something we don't want to think about. Instead, I want to think about today because I've got some nice plans for today. I'm thinking that today I would go have some enjoyment and I'm going to do this and then tomorrow I'm going to uh, 
add on to the house. And then the next week, we're going to take a, a, a quick vacation, you know, and then we're going to do that. And I know death is out there, but I'm, I'm not going to be concerned about it right now. I'm just going to uh, uh, go on with my life and go on with my enjoyment. Did he recently get a haircut? No, he did. I thought so. You look effulgent. Different. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, so we we don't like to deal with that moment of death. These are, are things that uh, we would just as soon put off, you see. So uh, those in the darkness of ignorance, however, do not know this mission. Instead, they are carried away by the waves of material nature, you see. Those who are in... Um, the darkness of ignorance will practically never admit it. Very few times do we have people say, hey, I'm just in the darkness of ignorance. Usually they want to feel like, no, no, I know this and I know that. Everyone is trying to tell us what they know. I know this and I know that, you see. Uh, And our policy is that until you take to the lotus feet of Krishna's pure devotee, until you can link up with God in some way, then you know nothing. You know nothing of any value. You may know how to build a, uh, an automobile engine, or you may know how to build a house, but that will not save you at the time of death, you see. So your, your knowledge is useless, useless. It can help you navigate through the material world, but basically uh, uh, this life is a process of dying. We're all heading towards that moment, and it's kind of late. If, if the doctor says, you know, you have a week, or maybe two, maybe a month. Well, it's kind of late then, you know, to say, oh, boy, I really better get serious, you see. If that's our destiny, if we know that we're going there, and we all, that we, if we have any intelligence, we know that we're going there. If that's our desti- destiny, and it's so important to us, why not prepare for it? Let's prepare for it now, you see. So um, I'll continue with the purport here. <laughs> repeated birth and death. But persons who have achieved knowledge by the association of devotees follow the Mahajans, the Mahatkritena. Mahatkritena. Such a person always concentrates his mind upon the lotus feet of the Lord and executes one or more of the nine varieties of devotional service. Shravanam kirtanam vishnosmaranam padasevanam. Simply by this process, one can cross the insurmountable ocean of nations. So uh, at, at the time of death, if, we, if we're caught somewhere in the middle of this ocean, then we're in trouble, you see. This life is a process of crossing this ocean of nescience. Nescience means ignorance, darkness, uh, lack of knowledge, you see. So we don't want to get caught in the middle of this, we want to cross over to the other shore. We want to cross this ocean of material nescience before the time of death. You see, that's so important to all of us. Devotional service is powerful in any form. Sri Vishnu Shravane Parikshit Abhavad Vaishakahikrit Kirtane. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu 1 to 265. According to this verse, Maharaj Parikshit became liberated by fully concentrating his mind on hearing the Lord's holy name, attributes, and pastimes. 
Similarly, Sukadev Goswami simply glorified the Lord and by speaking on the subject matters of Krishna that constitute the entire Srimad Bhagavatam, he too was liberated. So this is by hearing and by speaking. This is the example. We want to hear. We certainly want to hear. We want to hear things related to how we can cross this ocean of material suffering, this ocean of nescience. You see, we want to hear things related to uh, the pastimes of form, uh, the attributes of Lord Krishna, his name, and so on. You see, we want to spend our time there. We also want to speak it. You see, we want to discuss it with other devotees. Uh, when we go to our jobs or if we're out, out, out in the world, it's kind of difficult sometimes to discuss with Krishna. You know, when your clients come in, you can't say, hey, you know, I, I was reading in a Bhagavatam this morning. <laughs> You know, they say, yeah, right, okay, let's get on with my taxes or whatever, you see. So when we're with devotees, we have this opportunity. So if we have a desire, excuse me, if we have a desire to talk prajalpa or non-devotional things, let's discuss it maybe with someone else other than the devotees. Let's not waste the time when we're with devotees talking about something else, you see. Sometimes the businessman, he's, he laments. He's thinking, here I'm surrounded by this whole place, this whole office, and there's, you know, my whole day I can't talk to anybody about Krishna. Or I just had some realization from the class I heard this morning, and I can't share it with anybody. They're going to, you know, the, first of all, they don't like to talk about religion. You don't, in business, you don't discuss religion and politics, you know. So you've got to keep your mouth shut, and you know. So then you get around the devotees, and you say, "Hey, how are you? Hey, did you catch that game that was on last night?" And you see what I mean? When you see the devotee, that should be the warning sign. You know, the flag should go up. Oh, hey, Hari Krishna! So I'm glad, so glad to see you. I wanted to talk to you about that verse that I heard this morning. You know, and I was thinking, you know, Srila Prabhupada said something, and 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 didn't I hear that so and so and this and that and like that? You know, what is your knowledge on that? What do you, you know, see, that's the, uh, so by speaking, it happened to uh, Shukadeva Goswami. He became liberated by speaking Srimad Bhagavatam. So by talking Bhagavatam, by hearing Bhagavatam, by talking Krishna Kata, and by hearing Krishna Kata, we become uh, liberated. So therefore, I, as as I travel around, as I'm uh, in many different places that I go, there are people that I've been preaching to for some time, and now they're making some advancement. And uh, so what I always tell them is, uh, get prepared, because I want you to start giving class. And their reaction's almost the same, you know, always the same. <gasps> oh, I could never do it. Yeah, don't say never. You know, yes, you can. And you really should. You must. You must give class. You really should. Because you need to speak it. We all need to get trained up to where we can speak Bhagavatam. Huh? We want to speak Bhagavatam and Krishna Leela, Srimad Bhagavad Gita to everyone, you see. We want to get it in the habit to where that's what we're thinking about. But when somebody, uh, when you give class on a regular basis, you find yourself uh, throughout the day uh, thinking about something that you may see in the material world, how something works and how that relates to a particular verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam or in the Bhagavad Gita. And therefore, it's in your head that sometimes, you know, next time I give class, I want to speak about this particular thing here that I'm observing. So it engages your mind. It engages your mind, and 
So when the when the mind's engaged in that way, you can't think, oh, well, wow, that's a really far out poster up there of uh, a pretty girl drinking beer, you know, because the girl is so pretty, I'll bet the beer tastes really good. You know, you can't, you know, there's no time or to engage in in anything ridiculous, you see, because the mind is focused. Uh, Tamal Krishna Maharaj, one time, um, I went with him to uh, Berkeley. <clears throat> And there were many devotees there that uh, were excited that he was there. And we were meeting with Hansaduta, then Maharaj. And uh, so there were many devotees. There was a big kirtan out in the hallway outside the office, and we're going in, in this meeting. And the devotees are waiting for uh, uh, Goswami to come out and give class. So uh, right at the last minute, I said, you know, they're really excited for you to come out. You know, I think, I don't know if we can hold them off any longer. They're going to be down the door here pretty soon. And he said, well, I'm right in the middle of this. He said, I don't know. He said, you give class. So, you know, oftentimes, I, but by, by insert, opening your mouth and inserting your foot, you learn. Sometimes we embarrass ourselves by things we say and we learn. Of course, if we don't get all upset and feel like we're being picked on, you know, but we learn. So I said to him, but I'm not prepared. And he looked at me and says, what do you mean you're not prepared? How could you not be prepared? I mean, he didn't, he couldn't think, how can you not be prepared to give class? This was like 1980. And I said, well, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. And he said, you should always be prepared. You should always be giving class in your head. What else is your mind going to do? What else is it going to do? So as you're driving down the road, why can't, instead of your mind going la 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 over here or la 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 over there, why can't you be giving a class to yourself? Whatever you recognize as you're seeing, you know, going down the street or some, some quirk that per, some person has that may be a customer or something, huh? why can't that remind you of Krishna, Krishna Leela? Something that you need to be thinking about, accepting it as something that would be valuable to speak and when speaking Srimad Bhagavatam or rejecting it as something that would be not, not so good, you see. And that way the mind is engaged. So uh, this is basically what he said. You should always be prepared, you know. And actually I'd already been trained that way and why he was being kind of heavy with me because I should have already known that. You know, I just was kind of counting on him giving class and I wasn't counting on giving class in front of so many people. There were lots of people there. He said, you know, so I went and gave cuts. But that uh, that was a point that he made in the in the in the early days. That was uh, that was part of the process. You were always ready to give class. We didn't really so often have like, all right, you're giving class on Wednesday, you're giving class on Thursday. You know, it's very nice the way we do it nowadays. But in the old days, it was kind of like, okay, uh, why don't you give class today, bro? Oh, okay, Haribo. You know, of course there were there was a whole room full of people. You know? The place was full. So uh, that was a different time. So it was, is, sometimes there would be some uh, preparation, like if there were a holiday or something. But I think uh, it's very nice the way we do it now because people have a chance to kind of read up and do some, some last-minute preparation. So, uh, But we should all speak Bhagavatam. If not formally, if you don't want to get on the Vyasasan, then speak it in the hallway. Speak it in the prasadam room. Speak what you've read and speak what you've heard, you see. Uh, don't, and, and when I say speak what you've read, what you've read from Prabhupada's books, 
you know, not what I saw on the internet, you know, and speak what you've heard from uh, someone who, who probably knows what they're talking about. You know, I, I remember from talking with my son years ago, he was telling me all the things that he heard in the Prasadam room. And every, you know, like nine-tenths nine of them, 90% of them were so bogus. And I, I told him, you know, I said, have you learned anything from this? He says, yeah, don't ever listen. Don't, don't, don't listen and don't talk in the Prasadam room. Because there's so many things, you know, Prabhupada said, and this, 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 you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. You know, I don't know why. And that goes completely against what Prabhupada said. You know, we should have a nice peaceful conversation about Krishna while we're taking prasadam. Prabhupada wouldn't allow anything else but that. Tamal Krishna Goswami wouldn't allow anything else but that. And there was no business at lunch. When you had lunch with him, there was no business light, peaceful things. And, of course, it goes without saying, no speculation. The biggest enemy that we have, one of the biggest enemies that we have is speculation, the tendency to speculate. You know, if we can get ourselves and train our minds and to get into the habit of saying, if someone asks you a question and you don't really know, you just say, I don't know. I was never so impressed uh, uh, some of the big biggest devotees uh, will do like that. I'm so impressed by the by the way they are. For instance, Jaidwaita Maharaj comes to mind. Here he is, such a great soul, such so learned. And uh, I, re- I remember last year in Mayapur, and uh, he asked for questions, and someone asked him a question I don't remember, and he said, "I don't know. I don't know, oh, but I'll I'll try to look that up and get back to you." You know, he didn't speculate and say, well, uh, actually, no, in all humility, I don't know. That gives you credibility. Then if you say, well, uh, it's really this, and it's really not, see, those three little words, I don't know, that's above my knowledge. I wish I knew. I'm going to look into it, you see. Instead of speculation, I hear so much speculation, it just makes me want to cry sometimes. <laughs> you know, so many people uh, acting on misinformation. Can you imagine an army fighting a war on misinformation? It's not tolerated. They shoot you for doing things like that. This is a war against Maya. This is very important stuff. We cannot operate on misinformation. So therefore, if someone tells you something, if it's not a real credible source, say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, where, where did you get that? Where did you... Oh, well, Bhakta Bozo came through here last year, and he said that, Prabhupada said that... <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just not credible. So, um, so Shukadev, uh, Maharaj, uh, Shukadev Goswami, he was also liberated in his policy in this process. One may also be liberated simply by shakya, which is friendly behavior with the Lord. Such is the power of devotional service, as we learn from the example set by the Lord's many pure devotees. Swayam, swayambur naradaha sambhu karamba kapilo manuhu prabado pralado janako bishmo balir vaik shakir vayam that's uh, Shubhad Bhagavatam, 6th Canto, 
third chapter, text 20. <clears throat> we have to follow the footsteps of such devotees, for by this, for by this one easily process, huh? for by this one easy process, one can cross the ocean of nescience just as one might cross a small hole created by the hoof of a calf. Uh, this is important. Following in the footsteps of the uh, of the devotees, uh, Rupa Goswami calls that um, um, uh, Anush. What is it, Nartam? Anushula. Anush. What is it? Uh, Anushula. Yeah, Rupa Goswami. That's so important. Following in the footsteps of the Mahajans. Again, not accepting someone's speculation or someone that says this. I have people all the time saying, oh, I hear this is going on, you know, and I say, oh, really? Where did you hear that? How could you possibly have heard it? You know, it's completely wrong. It's completely fabricated, which means it's a total lie. It's an untruth. It's misinformation. And I feel badly for you because you were walking around thinking that. That was occupying your mind, and it was nothing. It was... I'm thinking, gosh, that's terrible. We follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. They didn't speculate, you see. Now, we follow down this path. Uh, in, in the beginning, when, there, some, like when there's snow, like snow in Kalachanji Park. I hope there's no more. I think we've had enough. Uh, when someone goes across the park, say, to Maturana's house, you can see the footprints. You see, you can follow in those footprints. Huh? But by the time enough people have gone through that same path to Maturna's house, the path gets wider. It's much easier to follow, you see. So the point that's being made here, and it will be made in the rest of this purport, is that uh, by following in the footsteps of the Acharyas, first of all, so many people have followed in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. The path is extremely wide, you see. In our own lifetimes, we've seen so many people follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. So many of Prabhupada's disciples, huh? they've followed in the footsteps of the acharyas. Every time somebody goes down that path, that uh, it gets easier for us. The path gets more worn, it gets smoother, it's wider, it's easier to see, it's easier to follow. So many people have done that, you see. It becomes easier. So by you doing it, by you following in the footsteps of the previous acharyas, you're making it easier for others, you see. This is what we're here to do. We're here to follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. Not to come off, well, let's see, maybe I'll, instead of going, I can see the, the path is beaten very well. But, you know, I'm thinking maybe I'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Huh? That's not what's recommended. Rupa Goswami doesn't recommend it. Srila Prabhupada doesn't recommend it. Follow the path. Follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. Very easy. It's in the scripture. Huh? Histor history, we can see. Follow examples. Doesn't mean that we imitate but we can emulate, you see. The, the goal of our life is to be like them, as much like them as possible. We want to be like them, you see, because we're heading for their destination. Their destination is back to Godhead. They uh, 
blazed the, the trail. They went back to Godhead. They set the, the path. All we have to do is follow it. You see, we don't have to be that um, original. <laughs> we just follow in their footsteps. Yeah, this Anusila that uh, Rupa Goswami talks about. Very important. Very important. Very easy. Prabhupada says later on, this is easy. This is the easy way. Here the Lord is described as Ambujaksha, or lotus-eyed. By seeing the eyes of the Lord, which are compared to lotus flowers, one becomes so satisfied that he does not want to turn his eyes to anything else. You see, by approaching Krishna, by uh, focusing the mind on Krishna, uh, and Krishna's name, his form, his pastimes, Krishna Leela, then it's very difficult for us to be attracted to anything else. You see? How can we uh, concentrate on any, uh, anything else? Sometimes we, uh, uh, we may notice that in the presence of the deity, everyone's focused on the deity. You know, we don't see people that are back in the, you know, in the corners and they're talking about this, you know, the weather, sports, whatever. No, the deity's mind. I mean, the deity focuses our mind. He draws our mind. You see, how can we not focus on the beautiful form of the Lord? You see, when we're in front, when we go away, we need to keep him in our mind so we'll stay focused on Krishna, you see. (coughs) Excuse me. Simply by seeing the transcendental form of the Lord, a devotee is at once fully absorbed in the Lord uh, in his heart. This absorption is called samadhi. A yogi is fully absorbed in thoughts of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, for he has no other business than to think of the Lord always within his heart. It is also said, Samsrita ye pada palava palavam mahat padam punyayaso murahe. Bhavambur vatsa padam param padam param padam yat vidam vi param na tesham. For one who has accepted the boat of the lotus feet of the Lord, who is the shelter of the cosmic manifestation and is famous as Murari, the enemy of the demon Mura, the ocean of material of the material world is like the water contained in a calf's hoofprint. His goal is param param or Vaikuntha, the place where there are no material miseries, not the place where, da- where there is danger at every step. Bhagavad, that's the Srimad Bhagavatam 10, 14, uh, 58. This process is recommended here by the authorities like Lord Brahman, Lord Shiva. Swayambur Narada Sambhu. And therefore, we must take to this process in order to transcend nescience. This is very easy. We must follow in the footsteps of great personalities, and then success will be possible. In regard to the word Mahat Kritena, it is also significant that the process shown by great devotees is not only for them, but also for others. See, Prabhupada is saying it's not just for the Mahajans. It's not just for the great soul. It's for everyone. It's for all of us. They're setting the example. Sometimes people say, 
uh, well, you know, Prabhu, you should you should uh, raise your standard this way or raise your standard that way, or you may give some recommendation. And they say, well, that's for Prabhupada, you know, or I, I can't, I'm not Prabhupada, you know, I'm not Rupa Goswami. You see, I'm not, that's just a, well, no. And, and you know what? You're never going to be because you're not even trying, you see. You set, you set the goal as high as possible. And Krishna says, I am the ability in man. If Krishna is the ability in you and you set your goal to be a pure devotee, what can stop you? Only ourselves. Only ourselves, you see. That is the goal. The goal is to go back to Godhead this lifetime. The goal is to achieve Krishna Prem this lifetime. Now, we want it now. Is it possible? Yes. It's not a fairy tale. It's not, oh, yeah, well, maybe. Oh, the great devotees did it. The Mahajans did it. No, they demonstrated how to do it. Now, I'm not saying that we should concentrate that we want to sleep under a different tree in Kalachanji Park every night, you see. You know, so not that we imitate, but we can emulate. We can follow the Mahajans, follow their, their example. If things are made easy, this affords facility for the person who has made them easy and also for others to follow the same principles. Prabhupada says it's easy. The process recommended in this verse for crossing the ocean of nescience is easy not only for the devotees, but also for the common persons who follow the devotee. Mahajano nagataha sa pantaha. You see, it's easy. Now we say, well, I don't know, I can't, I can't agree with you 100% that it's easy. Gee whiz, you know, oh, you know, it's as easy as we make it. Uh, if we're going to follow a path, let's say we want to know what's the path or what's the route to Fort Worth. You know, somebody says, how do you get to Fort Worth? What's the quickest way? You know, if someone... Um, you ever notice that sometimes when you're, I travel a great deal, sometimes when you're out in the sticks, you'll ask somebody, how do you get to this place? And they'll say, well, the quickest way is, and I'm thinking, well, duh, yeah, I want the quickest way. I don't want to, you know, why would I want, to, why would I want the slowest way or the, the second quickest way? You know, well, the quickest way, is, I mean, that's the way. There's... There's the way, and then there's some not-so-good ways, but, you know, I want to know. So the the quickest and best way to get to Fort Worth is get on I-30, isn't it? And just zoom, you, and you just, it's a straight line. It's the closest. Uh, so the quickest way back to Godhead is to follow on this path that's been beaten uh, by the Mahajans. It's been laid down. It's been shown, you see. It's a, it's a path that we can follow. It it, we know the destination, you see. Not that we get on this path and we go a little ways and then we think, oh, I think I'll wander over here. You know, like if you get uh, <clears throat> in the mid-cities and you decide you're going to look around in Arlington for a while and maybe go north and check out this <coughs> suburb or that suburb, you're not going to Fort Worth anymore. And there's danger in that. You could get lost, you see. Now, we all have a tendency to do that. I've had those problems with that myself. I find myself wandering off the path and get, getting absorbed so much in this business or that process or this or 
this desire that I have. And I, I, I remember, yeah, I'm, I, I want to go to Krishna, but uh, you know, I want to put you on hold. You see, the danger is, what if we don't get back? And that sometimes happens. We see, we see people who uh, stray from the, from the target, stray from the destiny, and unfortunately they don't get back. They get swallowed by the material nescience again, you see. And that's very sad. Some of us are fortunate. You know, we, we get back on the path somehow or other, Krishna's mercy, you see. So anyway, this path that's been paved by the, uh, the previous Acharyas and the Mahajans is the path that will take us back to Godhead. It's the closest distance. It's the shortest. It's the easiest and it'll get you there. There's no doubt about it. So, if there are any questions, comments, yes, mother. <coughs> yeah. Especially when you're giving class. Oh, uh, that's a good question. Oh, uh, that's done basically by you. You should know that. If we train ourselves, it's just like uh, you know, uh, when we first uh, go to the gym to work out, we want to work maybe our biceps or you know whatever triceps. You see, when we first do that, uh, that muscle is weak, and it actually begins to ache. It's sore after you work it. You see, you have to get it into shape. You have to get it used to working before you have to tone the muscle before it'll work properly, you see. So we have to train ourselves to differentiate between speculation and truth. Krishna is the supreme absolute truth. What does speculation have to do with the supreme absolute truth? How could it how could it possibly play even a, a tiny bit of a part in helping you or anybody else go back to Godhead. Is there any use for it whatsoever other than entertainment? It, 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 you, we can actually get in the habit of, of enjoying. I, well, this is fun. Well, I think this. I thought that. And the other day, I was thinking about that. You see, I'm just thinking, you know, Someone asked me a question, and very authoritatively, I've seen people very, they get a very thought, thought, yes, the answer to that is this. And they're just like way off. But I enjoyed that moment of saying with authority that, yes, the answer is this. But I'm just grabbing an answer out of the air, you see. It's entertainment. So when we work with ourselves, Train ourselves. When you catch the mind going a little bit towards speculation, you have to smack it, you know. Stop it. Get back on it. But don't do that. Don't speculate. Don't act like you know when you don't. Remember the three magic words, I don't know, which makes, actually makes you seem intelligent when you say that. 
It makes you seem more intelligent because you're actually, and honest, because you're not expected to know everything. Somebody who always has an answer for everything uh, has to be at least once in a while making something up because none of us are there yet. I mean, we have a lot of answers, but once in a while you're going to be stumped. I don't know, you see. So to answer your question, we have to uh, train ourselves to avoid speculation. By doing that, we have to identify what is. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Krishna, uh, if you surrender to him, if you beg him, please make me an instrument. Now, I don't have an opinion. I don't have an opinion. I don't want, if I come in here and give you my opinion on Srimad Bhagavatam, I'm um, um, cheating you. I want to give you Srila Prabhupada's opinion. Whatever opinion I may have is his opinion, Rupa Goswami's opinion, you see, Sukadev Goswami's opinion. I don't want to have an opinion. There's no value in my opinion, you see, unless it's uh, um, emulating what's said in the Bhagavatam or Bhagavad Gita in, in Shastra, Guru Shadu Shastra. You see, but Krishna will speak through you. The realizations will will be happening in your head as you're speaking, and sometimes you'll think, "Well, where did where did I get that?" But it's true. I know that's true. You see, Krishna will use you as an instrument. We have to we have to want to. It's not that we and, and that's another we have to, we can't think that. Well, I'm going to give class because I want people to see how I uh, am advanced, how well read I am. There's too many eyes there. Yeah, my dear Lord, I have no opinion. I have no knowledge. I was born in the darkness of ignorance. And I'm going to sit down and try to give class, and I'm begging you, you know, please, please give me the words to say. You are the one who has the plan. You know the people who need to be touched and how to touch them. You know what's in their hearts. We ever noticed, uh, you probably remember, uh, Mishra Prabhu, whenever we were around Prabhupada, how many times did you ever listen to a Prabhupada class, especially when we're face-to-face with him, that we didn't think, he's talking about me? I can remember every time that I heard Prabhupada give class, I thought, wow, he's nailing me. When he's talking about the the miscreants or the, the Mayavadis. You know, one time I was here listening to Prabhupada, I'm thinking, who are these Mayavadis? Why is he always talking about these Mayavadis? And after he got into a description of the Mayavadis, I realized he's talking about me. You see. Or when there's something that needs to be given up, when there's something that needs to be avoided, someone's thinking, wow, how does he know that? He's talking about me. No, no, that's Krishna. Krishna knows. Paramatma is talking to you. You know, not to, you know, they think that, how does this, does this person have microphones hidden in my house or something? How do you know this? How do you know? Krishna knows. Krishna's. Paramatma, he's no, he knows. Paramatma, the, the transcendental tattletale. He tattles, <laughs> he spreads it. You see? Does that answer? Is that a good answer? Anything else? Today is uh, Lord Vra's appearance. 
Should I read a little bit about Lord Barab, or would you like to, Prabhu? Yeah. <coughs> it would just take a, a few minutes. This is the description you said the information. This is the description that Oh, it was Hiran Hiranyaksha that he killed, wasn't it? Which one should I read? Okay, I'll just read the uh, the English. Lord Brahma said, "When the untimely, when the unlimitedly powerful Lord assumed the form of a boar as a pastime." just to lift the planet Earth, which was, drowning, which was drowned in the great ocean of the universe called Garbhadaka. The first demon, Hiranyaksha, appeared, and the Lord pierced him with his tusk. Should I read the purports too? Okay. Since the beginning of creation, the demons and the demigods, or the Vaishnavas, uh, the demons and the demigods, or the Vaishnavas, are always the two classes of living beings to dominate the planets of the universe. Lord Brahma is the first demigod, and Hiranyaksha is the first demon in this universe. Only under certain conditions do the planets float as weightless balls in the air. And as soon as these conditions are disturbed, the planets may fall down in the Garbhadak ocean which covers half the universe. It's the bottom half. <coughs> the other half is the spherical dome within, within which the innumerable planetary systems exist. The floating of the planets in the weightless air is due to the inner constitution of the globes. <coughs> and the modernize, modernizing and the modernizing drilling of the earth to exploit oil from within is a sort of a disturbance by the modern demons and can result in a greatly harmful reaction to the floating condition of the earth. I haven't read this in a long time. That's amazing, isn't it? The drilling for oil can disturb the floating of the earth. They just have noticed that the earth has, that the axis has tilted more, more than it used to. Things are moving, you see. A similar disturbance was created formerly by the demons headed by Hiranyaksha, the great exploiter of the gold rush. And the earth was detached from its weightlessness, weightless condition and fell down to the Garbodaka ocean. <coughs> Garbodaka ocean. The Lord as the maintainer of the whole creation of the material world, therefore assumed the gigantic form of a boar with appropriate snout and picked up the earth from within the water of the Garbhadak. Sri Jayadev Goswami, the great Vaishnava poet, sang as follows, Vaishati Dasana Sikhare Dharani Lavalanga Sasini Kalanka Kaleva Nimagna Keshavadrita Sukarabrupa Jaya Jagadish Hare. 
O Keshava, O Supreme Lord, who have assumed the form of a boar. O Lord, the planet Earth rested on your tusk, and it appeared like the moon engraved with spots. Such is the symptom of an incarnation of the Lord. The incarnation of the Lord is not the concocted idea of fanciful men who create an incarnation out of imagination. The incarnation of the Lord appears under certain extraordinary circumstances like the above-mentioned occasion, and the incarnation performs a task which is not even imaginable by the tiny brain of mankind. The modern creators of the many cheap incarnations may take note of the factual incarnation of God as the gigantic boar with a suitable snout to carry the planet Earth. When the Lord appeared to pick up the Earth, the demon of the name Hiranyaksha tried to create a disturbance in the methodical function of the Lord, and therefore he was killed by being pierced by the Lord's tusk. According to Srila Jiva Goswami, the demon Hiranyaksha was killed by the hand of the Lord. Therefore, his version is that after being killed by the hand of the Lord, the demon was pierced uh, the demon was pierced by the tusk. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur confirms this version. Prahlad Maharaj said, Hearing and chanting about the transcendental holy name, form, qualities, paraphernalia, and pastimes of Lord Vishnu, remembering them, serving the lotus feet of the Lord, offering the Lord respectful worship with 16 types of paraphernalia, offering prayers to the Lord, becoming his servant, considering the Lord's one, the Lord one's best friend, and surrendering everything unto him, in other words, serving him with body, mind, and words. These nine processes are accepted as pure devotional service. One who has dedicated his life to the service of Krishna through those nine methods should be understood to be the most learned person, for he has acquired complete knowledge. Oh. Yeah, I was wondering, what does this have to do? <laughs> Filled with rage and biting his lips, Hiranyakasipu gazed at the sky with eyes that blazed in anger, making the whole sky smoky. Thus he began to speak. As usual, the demon is envious of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and inimical towards him. These were Hiranyakasipu's external bodily features as he considered how to kill Lord Vishnu and devastate his kingdom by Kuntaloka. So Hiranyakasipu wanted to kill, uh, he wants to kill the Lord and then devastate by Kunta. Yeah, his brother was killed by Lord Barat, so he's thinking, now I'm going to kill you. Exhibiting his terrible teeth, 
fierce glance and frowning eyebrows, terrible to see, he took up his weapon, a trident, and thus began speaking his, to his associates, the assembled demons. My insignificant enemies, the demigods... Oh, no, I'm sorry, I skipped one. O Donibus, O Daitius, O Dwimurda, Triaka, Sambara, and Satabahu, O Hayagrive, Namuchi, Paka, and Ilava, O Viparichiti, Viparichiti, Puloma, Sakuna, and other demons, all of you kindly hear me attentively and then act accordingly to my words without delay. My insignificant enemies, the demigods, have combined to kill my very dear, obedient well-wisher, my brother Hiranyaksha. All, although the Supreme Lord Vishnu is always equal to both of us, namely the demigods and the demons, this time being devoutly worshipped by the demigods, he has taken their side and helped them kill Hiranyaksha. Both the demons, the demons and the demigods understand the supreme personality of Godhead to be the supreme master, but the demigods follow the master, whereas the demons defy him. Thus the demigods and demons are compared to, to the co-wives of one husband. Each wife has the sapni, co-wife, of the other, and therefore the word sapni is used here. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 9.29, Smoham Sarvabhuteshu, the Lord is equal to all living entities. Since the demigods and demons are both living entities, how is it possible that the Lord was partial to one class of living beings and opposed to another? Actually, it is not possible for the Lord to be partial. Nonetheless, since the demigods, the, de the devotees, always strictly follow the Supreme Lord's orders because of sincerity, they are victorious over the demons. Who know the Supreme Lord is Vishnu, but do not follow his instructions. <coughs> Excuse me. Because of constantly remembering the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vishnu, the demons generally attain Satyujamukti sat after death. Uh, this is liberation into um, the impersonal Brahman. The demon Hiranyakasipu accused the Lord of being partial because the demigods worshipped him. But in fact, the Lord, like the government, is not partial at all. The government is not partial to any citizen, but if a citizen is law-abiding, he receives abundant opportunities from the state to live peacefully and fulfill his real interests. Does it go on? Yeah, what you should I continue? Yeah, what we can see though is the mind of the demon. The demon becomes uh, actually envious of the supreme lord, and, and then he becomes envious of the devotees of the lord. And he's saying, "Well, look, now the devotees of the lord." Krishna's not being, uh, he's, he's not supposed to be pi, uh, uh, partial to anyone. But just see the devotees, he's being partial to them when he's really not. The same opportunity is there for the, de for the demons, you see. And the demons know 
Of course, in, in this day, we have atheists, you know, who are demons, demonic atheists. You know, at least Hiranyakasipu, no, he knew there was a Supreme Lord. You see, he was a demon, but he knew about Krishna, so you can't really call him an atheist. He wanted, though, to, he wanted to deny Krishna his potency, his power. He wanted to go kill him and take his kingdom. <coughs> you see, so, uh, you know, the, the demons sometimes turn out to be whiners, you know, uh, victims. And that's a whole other class that we'll talk about, this victimization that we do with ourselves. I'm a victim. You know, I'm a victim of my own decisions and my own thoughts and my own actions. What's coming around, I sent around. As I'm reaping, I have sown, you see. So, uh, but it's, it, it's quick. The demons and the non-devotees are very quick to start to whine. Well, he's paying attention. He's giving them, you know, favor over us. You see, no. From their activities and their decisions, they may look like they're getting favor, but they're on the path back to Godhead. They're following. They're, they're follow- well, he, he's showing them the path. They're begging him to show them the path. You see? So the demons are very good at uh, uh, pointing out, or, or to, to point a finger and to make out like, well, sometimes God is partial to his devotees, but he's really not. You see? So, uh, all glories to Lord Barak. And, yes, Prabhu? That is a, that is a wonderful question, you know. And and I'll speak on it just briefly, but that's another one we could talk about, and I'd like to talk about it more, because oftentimes when we're preaching, we find people who say, "Well, I, I don't necessarily believe in God, but that doesn't mean I'm not a good person. I'm a good person." Jai, you see, I'm a good person, so. If you were a good person, oh, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm a member of PETA. I'm even a vegetarian, you know. I feed the birds. I put a bird feeder outside my house. I'm just so good, you see. If you're really good, then why are you, doing, uh, why are you not doing anything that would really help me? I'm drowning in the darkness of ignorance here. I'm, I'm in an ocean of nescience. And I need you to help me. And you're telling me that you're a good guy. If you're a really good guy, I think maybe perhaps you would develop to the point where you can really help me. You can help my body, but can you do anything for my soul? You see? Have you done anything? Have you really thought it through enough? Or is this just convenient for you to be an atheist? It's very convenient. I can sweep it all under the rug. I don't have to have a class going in my mind. I don't have to have uh, uh, I don't have to have morals. Although they say I'm a good person, I have morals. Factually, they don't. They may act like they do, but they don't. Because if there is no God, then I, I, I there there are no morals. I make up my own morals as I go. Yes, Prabhu. 
if I benefit from it. Right. In other words, I, I, yeah, I'll be good if I benefit in some way, or I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be an example if I'm benefiting. And I, I think that, you know, that point can be sort of integral to completely separate this from yeah, and, and if I could push God out of the picture, then it's easy for me to get in the center. It's tougher for me to get there because I don't, I don't want to go toe-to-toe with him. I mean, he's really beautiful, he's famous, he's rich. You know, I can't compete with God, so I don't really think there is a God. Okay, now I can compete. I can get closer to the center, you see. I can show you what a good guy I am. Now, I'll give some donation. I'll build a hospital. I'll show you what a nice guy I am. See? Now you'll be thinking about me. My name will be on that hospital. Not saint, some saint or somebody like that. You see? And my name will be on that hospital. You see? So no, they're not. Uh, do they, are they good? You know, they may think that they're good, but their, their definition of good changes because it can change according to what's convenient for them. Their, their, def, their moral code can change without notice, <coughs> subject to change without, without notice, see, as their whims change, you see. They don't stand for anything. And I like to say this, I say it often, they don't really stand for anything. They don't stand for God, they don't stand for theology, they don't stand for anything substantial. They, they stand for grabbing all the gusto you can as you go through life, enjoying life, you see. And if you don't stand for something substantial, you'll fall for anything nonsense. You can fall for anything, and we see it. People have these causes that they're on, they're just crazy causes, you see. Well, special interest there and a special interest there. And you're thinking, how can you miss the most important? What about the time of death? Well, I want to save the whales. All right, that sounds very nice, but, you know, what about the time of death? I don't think furry animals should be killed. Okay, but what about the time of death? You see, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. They're on these, these, these causes. Whereas, if you become a devotee of Krishna, then automatically you won't kill the whales, you won't kill furry animals, you won't destroy the environment. If you become Krishna consciousness, Krishna conscious, it takes care of all these things. Everything is taken care of. See, to the to the degree that you become Krishna conscious. So we don't need these side um, special interests. We need to put our interest in Krishna, glorifying Krishna and going back to Godhead, uh, following the path of the Mahajans. Okay, so I'm sorry to take so long, but it's fun to associate with all of you. And uh, thank you so much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.